on TV, online, and onside kick. I don't even know what that is. This is EPT Not Live. I can't help but feel like that was a dig at my fantasy football team. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. Coming up on today's show, just when you thought it was safe to stop making Jaws references, Shark Cage is back for yes. season two. There's new qualifiers, new rules, new celebrities. That means there's no more EPT shows for a while, but if you're missing tournament poker, I've got an idea. I'm going to pitch to James later, a way to make tournament poker seem brand new again. We're going to find out a little bit about the duel and why James is headed back to Barcelona already. As always, there's a super fan versus taste, but this time there's a twist. It's a mystery super fan. Ooh. But for now, this man is no mystery to me. He is my work wife. He is the one and only James Hardigan. I am incredibly excited about talking about Shark Cage. Less excited about having to go back to Barcelona for the second time in three weeks. And it's not because what you're going to do probably isn't that cool. You're just a curmudgeon old bastard and you don't want to travel again. Yeah, so. exactly. And also, I don't know what it is. Every time I go to Barcelona, I get sick. James, I got sick in Barcelona, as, as you know, you witnessed. We came back. We did like three or four days of straight work uh, back, in, uh, back in London. Then I landed back in New Jersey at 8 o'clock at night, and I had a flight out of New Jersey for a wedding in Wisconsin. Uh, my flight was at 6 a.m., so I had to get back up after landing at 8, back up at 4 a.m. to head for the airport. I'm going to give you a little quiz. We're going to talk more about that Wisconsin wedding later. But for now, I think it's time once again. Uh, the social media mailbox, uh, since we unveiled that new segment last week, has since gotten real. It's taken on a whole new real term. It's not even the social media mailbox anymore. It's the real mailbox. And I've already decided to rebrand the music for this segment. Uh, let's head on down to the mailbox, the social media mailbox. It is the most vacuous of vacuums. It is a vacuous vacuum of vapidity, as I like to call it. I don't even know if vapidity is a word, but it should be a thing. Sounds good. Um, James, first thing I'd like to, to clear out of the social media mailbox... You tweeted uh, last week that you did not like the movie Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, it's weird because I think we share pretty similar tastes in movies, especially comedies. And a while back, you recommended three movies to me, which I'd never seen. Office Space, uh, Windy City Heat, and Wet Hot American Summer. The first two I absolutely loved, and we've talked about those endlessly. I saw this movie on Netflix, and when I say I didn't get it, I genuinely didn't get it. Because I think it's a very American movie, and I didn't get a very big release here in the UK, and I think the reason for that being it's about a very American thing, the whole idea of summer camp. I didn't get that the older actors were meant to be teenagers. I thought they were the adults <laughs> who ran the camp, and I just thought they were douches. And at the end, when the girl says, yeah, but I'm only 16, I'm like, what? You look 30! And then I got it. And I realized what it was meant to be, that these were the older kids who were kind of like supervising the younger kids. But it, I'm sorry, I thought it was a cheap and cheerful movie that looked like it had been cut with a knife and fork. And I smirked a couple of times, but I don't think I really laughed. Well, see, there's a couple of things here. Now, part of it was that um, now this movie, part of the reason to get a wide release is that it came out on like September 13th, 2001. Oh. Um, that was part of the reason why not much happened with it at the time. Um, it's a very surreal type of comedy, though, and so like, it's not it's not for everyone. 
But I will say that, it, I mean, it is one of my favorites of all time, and I stand by it. And the fact that you don't like it is totally fine. It doesn't upset me that much um, because it's one of those movies, you either get it or you don't. Like, you but know, here's, here's a key really, question, Joe. Um, when you were a kid, did you ever go to summer camp? Yes, but I don't think that that really has too much to do with the humor because I, I went to, like, baseball camp. It wasn't really like that. But could you relate to that environment? Because to me, it was just something completely alien. I mean, I could relate to the environment a little bit, but to me, it was more about like just how ridiculous the movie was. Like, it's a, it's. I want to say it's kind of like Airplane in that it's super surreal, but it, obviously, it has a much different tone than Airplane did. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's for me what really does it. But I did want to say that even though I I think you're entitled to your opinion, as long as we're cleaning out the social media mailbox, I just want you to know the only person that agreed with you is a Romanian guy. And also, he's a homophobe. Yeah, his, so. issue, his issue with the movie was less about the lack of laughs and more about the fact that Bradley <laughs> Cooper had a gay sex scene. Uh, I, I, that, that didn't bother me per se. Um, it's, it, it was what I found really weird is I saw that Netflix have done like a TV series, which is a prequel. So these actors yeah. who already were too old to play their roles now, fifteen years later, are playing younger versions of themselves from the movie. How's that yeah, going to work? Absolutely, and that's. That's what's hilarious about it. That's the comedy, James. It's a uh, joke. It's, right. a, it's something that you're you're rather unfamiliar with. <laughs> the concept, <laughs> the concept of humor. I, Joey, look, I really wanted to like it. The, I wanted to like it, and I just couldn't. I'm sorry. Look, I honestly think two out of three is not bad. Of the three things I told you to watch, uh, two of them, you know, met your expectations, and one didn't. Um, I'm willing to take that. I'm willing to take that. Your tweet, though, James, isn't the most upsetting thing this week to me that happened in the social media. I had this, like I said, this has gone beyond social media and I've been having some creepy things happen to me. So I got this text message when I got back the other day. I'm going to pull it up on my phone right now. And uh, it was from the area code 949, which is California, which is where I used to live, right? And yeah. so I got a text that said, Joey, I need to talk to you whenever you get the chance, please, PLZ. It's sort of urgent. And I have an ex-girlfriend that lives in California who's relatively troubled, and I thought that this was maybe her with a new phone, and that's sort of the way she talks, so I immediately wrote, call me. Now, it was a number I didn't recognize, like I said, and then I get this text message in return. All right, I'm sorry. I'm just a fan and actually found your info from Who Is. Uh, now, Who Is is how you look up like a website. You might want to enable Who Is privacy on your domains. Your number and address are publicly listed for all your domains. No. Really sorry. Had no clue what I was even going for. Probably should have pretended how I was Amber and done a taken thing. Now, Amber is handled as a joke from my old podcast from like 10 years ago. And so, honestly, I was like a little annoyed by this, but I decided... To just handle it with sort of with kid gloves in class. And so what I said was, okay, well, it's all good. Thanks for the heads up. And then the person said, sorry, again, take care. And I said, all good. Feel free to say hello by more conventional means anytime. And I didn't hear anything back. But that that was like a little real for me, a social media thing. And so I went on, I looked into what the person mentioned is like yeah. having all your domains privatized. Now, your domain, um, it, apparently, it's a law that it has to have that info there. So if you want to have it private, you have to have a company stand in for you, and they charge you. And so I own something like 12 domains. For all 12 of my domains, for like the rest of the four-year lease on them, this freaking person, although not really, cost me $400. 
Well, to be fair, that's $400 well spent, though, because worse things could have happened. This was just a fan who, A, was trying to have a bit of fun. You could argue it was misguided humor. But to be fair, they then said, oh, I, I think you should be aware. And they drew your attention to it. What if it had been some crazy stalker who found that information, didn't tell you it was out there and used it to get to you? Yeah, like this crazy hot girl, like using my information and then like figured out that my domain names were like, mm. were like my parents' Joe. house. And then she like, came over. Joe. She would like come over and like Joe. break in in the middle of the night. Joe, and then I would I, just have like a boner for some reason. I, I and think, she would I be think like, we need, oh, I, I just fell. Yeah, I think we need a bit of a reality check here. 95, if not 96% of your fans are male. And really, you think it's that high or female? You think, it, you think 4% are female? I think high? 4% might be female. That is fucking awesome. It'll take that the four percent, right? However, oh within, my god, I would take the under on that. <laughs> within those ninety-six percent of male fans, one or two of them, just just a, just a handful, maybe, may not actually like you, but enjoy being fans of you. If you know what I mean. <laughs> Cough, cough. They'd be like a fan of wearing my skin. Homicidal maniacs. Yes. So <laughs> I think it's good that it was a genuine fan who found your information online and not one of the handful of potential serial killers. Well, James, it's funny you should mention that because when I got home uh, from my most recent trip, I had a package uh, from a name I didn't recognize. Now, the name's on the package, so I'm not that worried about it, but I opened it up. Yeah. And this is freaking creepy, dude. I wish I had a camera I could show you. Yeah. There's a little plastic bag, and inside the plastic bag is a wolf head, like a little tiny plastic wolf head, and it's really Joe. creeping me out. It's Joe. like some sort of talisman, a, some sort no, of Joe, token. Joe, Joe, it's, it's gray wolf head. Yeah, it's a, how did you know? It's a it's gray Lego. wolf head. Yeah, is it's that a, a Lego wolf head. Joe, remember in Barcelona? It's, a, it's Legos. It's a piece of Lego. In Barcelona, I said, I bought something off eBay. Do you mind if I send it to your apartment? <laughs> I was buying a bit no. of Lego for my daughter, and you agreed to receive it. That's what it is. It's a gray wolf head. Oh, my God. I thought someone was sending me, like, a death notice. No. Like, the wolf is coming that's for you. That's my eBay package. That's, that's my daughter's wolf head. Please make sure you bring it with you next time you come to London. Why does your daughter need a, a, a wolf head pencil topper? It's it's not a pencil topper. It's it's a Professor Lupin. It's a Harry Potter thing. Don't worry about it. Did you seriously think that someone was sending you like a warning? <laughs> yes. Like, here's a miniature plastic wolf head. You're next. <laughs> I thought maybe like the wolf torso or wolf <laughs> arms would come next or something. Oh, my God. So you're basically uh, telling me this eBay package I had sent to your apartment has been like keeping you up nights, worrying. <laughs> that is such a relief. Oh, my God. Man, my ego is out of control, isn't it? <laughs> oh, dear. You idiot. Some, a couple of good creepy things have happened to me. This happened actually when I was leaving the London office the other day. I was standing outside with my suitcases, and this Asian dude walks up to me, and he walks up to me, and he just stare. He stops, like, dead in his tracks and stares at me. And then he kind of cocks his head, and, he's, and he, can't, he, like, opens his mouth, but nothing comes out. And this is going to make me sound like a total douche, but I am sort of starting to get used to what it looks like when people recognize me. And so now I just sort of approach them first rather than, you know, just sort of wait for them to find the words. And I go, hey, man, what's up? And he doesn't say anything. And he just takes his phone out of his pocket. And he's wearing headphones. He takes his phone out of his pocket and shows me what he's listening to. He was listening to an episode of Two Jacks in the Hole from like 2006, which is like one of my first podcasts I ever wow. did. He had no idea I was in London. He had no idea that I was outside the Poker Star's office. He was walking through London listening to my show and ran into me. 
That is so weird. How random is that? That is super weird. And that dude is awesome. That was that guy was fucking great. That was Jeffrey Ty is his name. And I just want to give him a quick shout out on the show. I told him to start listening to the podcast. And then did you did you say that the wolf head is for your is for a Harry Potter thing? Yes. I have a story for you that your daughter is gonna love. Um, as long as we're talking about real sort of uh, real life social media type stuff. So I have a friend who I knew years ago uh, who was an assistant in Los Angeles, and now she's a big time producer. And she just produced a movie uh, called Swiss Army Man with Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano. Cool. And she, she was spent a lot of time with Daniel Radcliffe. She sent me that footage of him doing Eminem at the karaoke bar before it broke out uh, virally. She sent me some more stuff of like after rap where Daniel uh, Daniel Radcliffe is like making out with like apparently they had like a prosthetic doll made of him for some scene and he like makes out with it. Some really <laughs> cool stuff. But the coolest thing she told me is that Daniel Radcliffe, this is totally true, by the way, Daniel Radcliffe is a huge fan of poker and watches the EPT no. all the time and no loves way. the show. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he didn't know my name. He said that, you know, she's my friend, so she didn't mention you specifically. She said the Sorry, annoying James. American dude, right? He said he said that American bloke. Yeah. Um, and said that he, I he was probably funny, implied but the annoying part. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure if he became Facebook friends with me, he would get on my page <laughs> and tell me how annoying I am. I'd love but, to see uh, Griffin Benjamin yeah. go at Harry Potter, by the way. Oh my god, that would be so amazing. So I just thought it was really cool for me and you and everyone else who works on the show to know that like the maybe the one of the biggest stars in the world, Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter himself, is a fan of the EPT. Now I will say the only person he mentioned by name that he was a huge fan of, can you take a guess? Daniel Negreanu. Vicky Corrin. Oh. First two-time winner on the European Poker Tour. I emailed Vicky. I uh, took a couple of screenshots of uh, of the texts that uh, my friend sent me saying that uh, he's a big fan of hers and she got a kick out of that. But uh, yeah, so um, so we've had some good and some bad this week on the social media mailbox. And as long as we're on the uh, the subject of uh, telling telling some stories, do you remember, I don't think I ever told you, but now that I live here in New Jersey, you know our, our executive producer, Francine, she... Um, she spends a lot of time in New Jersey because that's where her boyfriend lives. And so, uh, you know, she's sort of bi, uh, bi-continental, if you will. She spent some time in New Jersey, spent some time in London. We actually happened to be in New Jersey for like the same weekend for the first time ever. And so she invited me down to the beach club uh, where, uh, you know, where she hangs out on the weekends. They and let I you in? What? They let me in. They put me – in fact, Francine and, uh, and uh, Bruce put me on – the permanent guest list, meaning I could like come and go as I please, no. which is pretty cool. Why, why yeah, would they cool, do that? Was, why would they take that risk? Because the summer was almost over and there was only like one more uh, week left until Labor Day. So it's an empty um, gesture, basically. They're saying, look what we've done for you, knowing full well that you can't do anything about it and we're not at risk of losing our membership by having you come in here. Pretty much, but an empty gesture is more gesture than I'm used to <laughs> in general. So, um, And so I was down there. Now, I have a confession to make. I was down there with Francine. And it was hot, and it was like summertime, and we Where is this got going? really, really, we we both got really drunk, and I do have I don't even think she knows this, but I have to admit that so she and I started to have a really deep conversation about the TV, you know, the future of TV and UPT and all that stuff, and I fell asleep like seven times during the conversation, <laughs> like I would. I would wake up and hear her still talking and be like, uh-huh, yep, totally agree. And I just didn't know how to, how to tell her that I was fucking shit-faced and I was just dozing off. 
Well, I wouldn't worry. Yeah, I mean, there's was... absolutely no chance of her listening to this show whatsoever. So your secret's completely safe. So anyway, I just thought I would choose this moment to, <laughs> to confess the fact that I was too drunk to talk to my boss at the beach. Okay, moving on. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for EPT Not Live News. I guess this first thing could have been part of the uh, the social media mailbox clear out, but I think it belongs in news. Did you see this tweet from Daniel Negreanu? Yeah, you see, when a tweet comes said, from Daniel Negreanu, it transcends social media mailbox and automatically leapfrogs to news because it's from the mouth of Negreanu. Yeah, and he basically tweeted, this was a while ago now, but uh, we're just getting to it. Sorry, guys. But Daniel tweeted that he thinks that Lon and Norm are the best commentators in TV poker. James, how did you, how did you feel about this? I thought that, oh, they, he, Daniel must have just watched a program in which he featured and Lon and Norm said <laughs> lots of nice things about him. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. Daniel does seem like the kind of guy who seems to be influenced by what's in front of his face at that exact moment. <laughs> um, and so... I didn't take this too personally. Now, first of all, I, I would like to say that it, it did sting a little, not as a friend. Like, Daniel, I do consider to be a really close friend of mine, and I'm not hurt at all in a friend way. Like, Daniel's entitled to his opinion, and he doesn't have to say I'm the best, even though I have him on camera saying I'm the best um, previous to this. Um, he doesn't have to, and it doesn't hurt me as a friend, but it does somewhat hurt as someone that's really well-respected in the industry when he says, oh, Lon and Norm are the best commentators in TV poker. I just want to be like, um, but, 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 excuse me, but, and I, I want to be the best. Uh, now, I do think that Lon and Norm, now, I've, I read this article a long time ago. Uh, it wasn't an article. It was a tweet from Brian Cranston, and it was about when, um, <coughs> when James Gandolfini died, Brian Cranston tweeted, um, you know, rest in peace, James Gandolfini. He was, uh, you know, he, he changed the world with, with uh, with his acting and without w w now I can't remember the name of the character from the from the Sopranos, Tony Soprano. What's wrong? With <laughs> Jesus Christ! What's wrong with me? Without Tony Soprano, there would be no Walter White, and I genuinely feel that way about Norman Chad. Without Norman Chad, there would be no Joe Stapleton. Having said that, I want to be the best poker commentator in the world, <laughs> and I don't want Daniel to say anyone else is better than I am. Um, which was really cool is that, I mean, obviously I didn't respond because I would never want to take down Lon and Norm and all, because who cares? Like, we are, we do different things. Joe, I've got um, a great strategy here. We've got, we got Shark Cage yeah. coming up, right? It's no secret that Daniel yeah. plays on the shows. Let's just make sure we say a ton of positive shit about Daniel in the commentary, make him watch the show, and then he'll tweet that we're the best. I mean, that would probably work. That sounds like a very good, <laughs> sounds like a very good strategy. Emotional manipulation is my speciality. What we'll do is we'll show, we have to show him the documentary first. Yes. We butter him up with the documentary, back to back shark cages, and I guarantee you he will be ours. All ours. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Lot and Norm, as good as they are, as uh, veteran as they are of the, of the field, they weren't invited to a wedding in Wisconsin, were they? Yeah, I saw this um, on, on social media. That you were there. So we can have a little bit of a, a Wisconsin wedding recap. Now, I thought uh, the way that I could talk about Wisconsin, James, is basically the deep south in the north. I got that impression um, from some of the not particularly...
particularly pleasant things you said about the state on Twitter. Now I now I did I feel a little bit bad. I tweeted Wisconsin where the state bird is obesity. Now I, that was a little unfair and that was a low blow and probably not even the best joke I could have possibly made. And I I retract that statement. Now I will say that the state bird of Wisconsin is drunk driving because everyone there just you know how a lot of a lot of people like one person stays sober you know doesn't drink so that they can drive home in wisconsin everyone drinks and then they just decide who's the least drunk i encountered at that at the end of the night i encountered that about 15 years ago in atlanta georgia the same thing and it terrified me it was so freaking weird. Now, to be fair, I will say that when you drive home, you don't pass another car. Now, that doesn't mean <laughs> you're not in danger. Doesn't mean you're not in danger, but it's still, it's, you, there's a little bit, I don't know, there's never a reason for drunk driving, but still, it's a, it's a different way of life out there is all I'm going to say. Now, I figured, James, the most fun way I could tell you about my trip to Wisconsin is I've come up with a little game for you, and it's called... The Wisconsin Wedding Over Under game. Here's how the game works. I'm going to set the line for something that happened or happens in Wisconsin. And you're going to tell me whether the actual number is under or over it. Okay. Okay. So uh, here we go. Question number one. The price of an adult three-day pass for the U.S. Open Chainsaw Sculpture Championships. (laughs) The line is $15. Do you think it's under $15? Or over $15 for a three-day pass to the U.S. Open Chainsaw Sculpture Championships that take place in Wisconsin. I'm really hoping the answer is under. James says under. Under is correct. It's $12 at the door, $10 if you pre-order, James. So make sure you get your pre-order in. It's $2 cheaper. Here we go. Next up, what's the round of drinks at the local Iola Golf Club. Iola, Wisconsin is where I went to this wedding. A round of drinks. I'll tell you what drinks I got, James. Ready? Okay. Eight beers. Right. A double vodka soda. Yeah. And a double seven and seven. I'm going to set the line at $30. Ooh, that's right about... That's a good line. That's a good line. Now... Even all though, good lines, by the way. Even though I'm going to say that Wisconsin is probably not a particularly expensive state, you run a golf club. And I don't care where you are in the world, golf clubs are expensive. So I'm saying over. Over is technically correct, but it was only over by $2. $32 for eight beers, a double vodka soda, and a 7 and 7 at the local golf club. You're two for two, James. Here we go. Next question. Number of pro-life billboards I saw while driving from Minneapolis to Iola, Wisconsin and back. Eight hours total in the car. Over. Number of pro... Well, the line is 12. The line is 12. You say over. Over is incorrect. 10. 10. I think I saw four and six. Um, And uh, next question leads right into that. According to those signs, how many days after conception is there a heartbeat in a baby? The line is 15. Under. <laughs> Under is incorrect. You're oh. two and two now. It's 18 days, apparently, until there's a heartbeat. <laughs> We're just going to leave that where it is. As uh, Francine told me after the, uh, after the first episode, abortion jokes are never funny. Uh, next question. How many bales of hay did I chuck onto a wagon while helping clean up after the wedding? The line is at 20. I'll take the under. The under is correct. 
16 bales of hay I chucked onto a wagon. <laughs> what is the retail price of the Tot Tannic? A blow-up children's slide made to resemble a sinking Titanic and corresponding iceberg that they had at the wedding. Dude, at the wedding, they had this thing called the Tot-Tanic, which is like, you know, like a, uh, I don't know what you call it in the UK, like a Mr. Bouncity Bounce. Bouncy Castle. A bouncy castle. Well, they had one that resembled, that was the Titanic sinking as it was crashing into an iceberg. Oh my God. Called the Tot-Tanic. What is the retail price of the Tot-Tanic? I'm setting the line... At nine thousand dollars for the Titanic, they didn't they rent, rent it. They, they got, got a Titanic. Uh, no, they rented it. But I looked up the retail price just because I wanted to tell the anecdote okay. of the Titanic. I'll take the under <laughs> on nine thousand. You're gonna take the under on nine thousand. The under is incorrect. You're three and three. Nine thousand nine hundred ninety-five dollars for the Titanic. Next question. What is the age of the man who showed us his customized Call of Duty branded and customized Jeep Wrangler? <laughs> this isn't real anymore. You're just making this shit up. His customized Call of Duty Jeep Wrangler. How, what is the age of this man? I'm setting the line at 55. Under. Under is incorrect. This man was 63 years old. Oh my God. With his Call of Duty. By the way, his cus his customized Jeep Wrangler, you know the part where you can like open the back and like a spare tire door sort of yeah, thing yeah, yeah. comes off of it? Within that door, he had both a shovel and a battle axe. Not a battle axe, a regular axe, but an axe and a shovel attached to his car. I thought you were going to say an Uzi and an AK-47, so actually it was better than I thought it was going to be. It was better. All right, James, I think you're at three and three right now. We have three questions left. Uh, there was a fellow there, kind of a local celebrity. His name is Bill Block. I won't get into it. What is the number of miles on Bill Block's 1995 Chevy truck? I'm, sh I'm setting the line at 275,000. Over. The over is correct. Bill Block's 1995 Chevy truck had 301,000 miles on it. That thing can go and go and go. Isn't that like 10 times around the world? 301,000 miles? Really? Isn't it just 30,000 miles around the world? I don't know stuff like that. I'm good on the release years of movies. <laughs> All right, two more questions. Here we go. Number of people I saw with handguns tucked into their pants in a diner. I'm setting the line at two. Please tell me it's under. Please. The under is correct, but I absolutely did see a guy with a handgun tucked into his pants in a diner. Um, I don't know what to say about that, man. It was fucking freaky. I was like saying to my friend, I was like, what do you think it would take to get that guy to like pull on me? Like, if I jumped up on the counter and just started yelling like a crazy person, would he pull his gun out? My friend's like, yeah, probably. Not a theory I would that test. fucking nuts. I believe the response when you tell an anecdote like that is to go, America! America, yeah. Unfortunately, not all of America, but definitely Wisconsin. And finally, James, this one's tough because you're up one now. What is the over-under a number of questions in this game? I'm setting the line at 11. Under. Under is correct. It was 10, including that one. Nice oh. job, James Hardigan. I win the internet. You win the internet. You win the Wisconsin wedding over under game. Anyway, 
that was a pretty good interpretation of what my weekend was my weekend in Wisconsin was like. I will say that the people of Wisconsin are amongst the most generous, uh, warm, just welcoming, cordial people I've ever met in my life as long as you're white. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now you're back home safely in New Jersey. Uh, meanwhile, here in the UK, a brand new TV show has just appeared on TV. Well, not brand new. It's season two, but it's different to the EPT. It's different to the PCA. We welcome the return of Shark Cage. TV recap. The long-awaited Shark Cage season two is upon us. Expect more shark puns. Expect more of me <laughs> saying release the blanket. Expect someone to win nearly a million dollars. And I say merely or nearly a million dollars because there's some changes for season two. Am I right, James Hardigan? Tell yeah. me about the changes for season two. A couple of little tweaks, really, because I think we had a successful format, but it just needed a little bit of adjustment. So one of the things, you remember last season that when you went sent someone to the shark cage, uh, you got a prize. You got the little shark fin bonus chip, and it was worth mm -hmm. like 10% extra chips in the final. But the problem is loads of people... Uh, got that bonus, but then never made it to the final. So they didn't actually convert that prize into anything. Uh, also, do you remember the actual final itself, Joe? We didn't see any shark cage action at all. Uh, because it was a million dollars, winner takes all, and understandably, it was a very serious game. The, the banter wasn't at the level that it was in all of the heats. And we figured, you know, you've got to take the pressure off a little bit. And okay, there's still going to be a very big prize up top. It's probably going to be the better part of $900,000. But it'll be nice to kind of share the love a little bit and give people the opportunity to win money in the heats and in the final for not necessarily winning. So we decided you send someone to the cage, $2,000. In the final, if you send someone to the cage, $25,000. So I think that is a fantastic idea. Whose idea was that? Was there um, a person specifically who came up with that? Or It was it was done by um, committee, and obviously we consulted uh, Ike Haxton, who was instrumental in coming up with the original Shark Cage format. Neil Johnson was involved. You know, we banded around some numbers. <coughs> Jim <So> Stapleton. <laughs> and, uh, and yes, Joe, you were involved in the conversation as well. But I, I did, I'm not saying I'm, I came up with that idea, but that was one of the things I said, look, I got a couple of things that I think you guys should change for next season. Uh, that, was, that was one of my suggestions. I'm not saying I'm the only person who did it. To be fair, the very, I'll, I'll be honest with you, the very first person who suggested it was Jason Alexander after he played in the very first heat at the PCA. Um, and he said, guys, you know, I think it's really good fun, but if I can make one suggestion, I really think you should give people money for sending people to the cage because that way there's more of an incentive and it would just give people an opportunity to win something without actually making it through. So he sowed the seed and others, including your good self, then poured water yes. on it. Now, there was one other thing that I suggested that, again, I'm not saying I'm the only person that did, but I said that when the person's in the shark cage, we should be able, we should see what their cards are. Did we, yeah. Are we doing that this season? We are doing it, but we're only going to see the cards where they're relevant. Because not being funny, right, it's okay. like, oh, you know, uh, you know, Chris Moneymaker, you're in the cage, and you would have had 7-5 offsuit in the big blind. Uh, uh, uh. Whereas, like, if it's aces or kings, then obviously <laughs> you want to rub it in his face. Right. Okay. So those are so some prize changes. Now we're also we changed how we're structuring the episodes too, right? Yeah. In this case, look, there was a lot of feedback to the first season. And I think that at first... 
the reaction was, and this is from existing poker Stupid. fans, by the way. Um, I do think that most casual poker viewers just like whatever's on, whether it's the EPT or Shark Cage. I think generally they prefer Shark Cage. This is basically based on anecdotal evidence rather than anything firm. But as far as the poker fans were concerned, ah, there was a lot of resistance at first. And I think the tide turned by the time we got to the fourth or the fifth show. But at the beginning, people were like, I don't like this. And two of the biggest complaints were that there wasn't enough genuine poker and you didn't really get to see interesting hands and it was very difficult to follow the, the chip stacks and who was the chip leader because it changed so rapidly over the course of 48 minutes. One of the ways we've solved that is now each heat plays out over two shows. So you are seeing more poker and it's easier to follow who the big stacks are, how, who the short stacks are and how that chip lead changes over the course of two instead of one hours of TV. And the good news for you heads up fans is that if there, uh, you know, there's a little bit more heads up than we'd normally have mm. because we're stretching out over two episodes. Which, to be honest, I don't understand heads up fans. To me, heads like liking heads up is like liking eating capers. Like who likes capers? Weird people. I I, I like capers. See exactly. Do you like heads up poker? If it's the right two players, yes. Oh, I think it's so boring. I don't care who it is. I, whenever it's heads up, I'm just like, make a deal. Let's get this over with. Well, I'm not going to mention um, names because the key thing, <laughs> it's really difficult to talk about Shark Cage because obviously the heats and the final were played at the PCA and the EPT Grand Final in Monaco earlier this year. <laughs> so it's all done. We know who makes it through the heats. We know who plays in the final. And it'd be so easy to mention names. But the great thing about this being a made-for-TV format rather than a live event like the PCA is no one knows. I mean, yes, people know, but very few. And the information's not out there in the public domain. You know, if you search the internet, you would have seen, for example, Kevin Schultz wins the PCA. In fact, as someone reminded me when I, I tweeted the fact that Kevin Schultz was at the final table, oh, don't click on his uh, Twitter profile because his picture is him holding the PCA trophy. It's well publicized. It's on Hendon Mob. It's on every single poker news site. Whereas with Shark Cage, the information's not readily available. So it's it's really good that you're watching something where you don't know the result. So I have to be very careful what I say about who played heads up or who played what hand. We have to specifically only talk about the shows that have aired. Well, as you know, I um, almost nearly spoiled season one. I think I talked about that on this show already about how I posted a photo of me interviewing Griffin Benger and to uh, accidentally and to um, to quote myself from the Barcelona live stream. I can't believe I haven't blown the winner yet for season two because obviously I know who won also and I'm just dying for this to be finished so I can't screw it up. Indeed. Well, you've got 14 weeks because, as I said, each, oh my God. each heat is two episodes. The final is two <laughs> episodes. That's 14 shows in total. Show one is available now to watch at youtube.com slash pokerstars. The debut of Daniel Negreanu, who was, a, who was notable by his absence yes. in season one of Shark Cage. He's making his debut, uh, as is George Danza. Can we please refer to Daniel Negreanu as Daniel Negreanu, the guy who thinks that Norm and Lon are the two best commentators <laughs> in TV poker? I like to refer to him as Daniel Negreanu, star of the forthcoming documentary, Kid Poker. Um, yeah, Danza is making his first appearance. We got Sergio Garcia. Georgie Danza. The golf star, uh, Sam Trickett. Actually, it was a heat of, of first-timers. Because obviously, we, we brought back a lot of people who did play in season one. One thing I should say, and this was... Um, 
an idea which I threw out there and was generally agreed upon. If you made the final table in season one, you were not invited back for season two. You had your chance and you Ooh. blew it. We wanted to have a completely you blew different it! a completely different lineup at the final this time around. So all the guys who made the final were not invited back, including Griffin, the reigning champ. So that guarantees you're going to have a completely new winner. This is not the kind of format where you want to defend your title. This is something where you just want to see a mix of new and old faces uh, and a, a fresh lineup at the final. Well, speaking of new faces, now I know yeah. we talked about this before, but I think what people are most, especially the casual poker fans, who probably aren't listening to this, to be honest, but I'm most interested in what celebrities do we have coming up in this season? We got okay. Tito Ortiz, obviously, because yeah. uh, we interviewed him on on the first episode of this show. We got Don Cheadle. Yes. Who else? So Tito Ortiz plays in the same heat as Ronaldo, who, of course, okay. had a great run Ronaldo at the PCA. Ronaldo McDonald. So let's see if he can continue his success in Shark Cage at the PCA. Um, also, returning to the Bahamas, or or returning, returning to Shark Cage, Miss Finland, Sarah Shafak, uh, who yes. is responsible for that amazing bluff, which is responsible for 3.1 million views on YouTube. Uh, Don Cheadle is in, as is another Hollywood star, someone who you've spoken about on this podcast, Sean Astin of Goonies and Lord oh, of the Rings fame. Oh, yes. I, for I forgot about Sean Astin. Man, I love that guy. I can't wait for his episodes. And funny story, I should probably wait till he's on, but backstage that day, I'm going to wait to tell that story, actually. I'm mm. going to save that for when Sean Aston's on. Don't spoil it. Let's talk about this episode. Um, yeah. A new lineup. Chris Moneymaker as well. Didn't play in season one. And Moneymaker was one of the stars of this show. He went to the cage. He didn't really play in season two, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> he was so weird. He was has, he even trying? He goes to the cage, <laughs> and he also makes a spectacularly bizarre call with nine high. Now, I know... That with the shark cage dynamic, you're going to try and catch bluffs more than you would in a normal game. But nine high? Really, Chris? Really? Here's my here's my theory for Moneymaker, right? My theory for Moneymaker is that he's got some sort of, like, antediluvian contract with poker stars where he's not eligible to win the million dollars. And so he just wants the qualifier to win because that's the only thing I could possibly conceive of for some of the moves he made in the show uh, in Shark Cage 1. Like, he just completely punts off chips for no reason. I think it's awesome because he's just like, yeah, whatever, I'm Chris Moneymaker. I'm from down south. <laughs> but, like, he does some things that are completely inconceivable. Yeah, and you mentioned the qualifier. Let's not let her escape our critical eye. Uh, Johanna was begging not to show that hand where she played <laughs> yeah, the bluff card <laughs> with a full house. I didn't see it was a full house. I, I thought I only had three sevens. Uh, and bless her, she got confused. She got befuddled. She made a mistake. Um, but how do you not show that hand? I mean, there's no way you, you can cut that out there to spare her blushes. I mean, especially especially once she says, don't show the hand. You're like, well, that just fucking locks it, lady. <laughs> it is going in. Now, she tried so much to get us to not show that hand. She went so far as to try to bribe me and James in Malta. She brought us a giant box of chocolate. <laughs> I think, I mean, she didn't say specifically to not show that hand, but she's trying to butter us up. And since she's been on the shark cage, she's been like a fixture on the yeah. tour. How many times have we seen that lady? Uh, I mean, 
obviously we saw her at the PCA a lot because she was there for Shark Cage and she stayed on to play some of the side events at the PCA. Uh, she turned up in Malta, as you just mentioned, where she bought us chocolate very kindly, um, which, by the way, we were meant to share with the entire production team and didn't. And we saw her a couple of weeks ago in Barcelona. Kicking off the start of season 12. I think, actually, Johanna played Barcelona and London last season and had a couple of caches. I think she made a final table in Barcelona last year. So she's had some decent results. And she's one of those people, and I just take my hat off to her, she just loves poker so much, she can't play enough, and she just wants to come to every EPT and play as many events as possible. And that's why I like her so much. Her enthusiasm for the game is just... You've, you've got to admire that. Yeah, she's one of those people that comes up to us and she's like, yeah, when I win this event, I'm going to go do this. And I guess that's why I don't play poker because I never think I'm going to win. And she's one of those people that truly believes it. Now, James, you mentioned that we're supposed to share that chocolate. I didn't share it. You know what I did? As I dumped it out all out over my bed and rolled around it like I was a chocolate millionaire. <laughs> the frightening thing is <laughs> I can actually envisage you genuinely doing that. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, it's a thing. I, I will say I was... Not as aroused as I thought I would be, but I wasn't not aroused, if that makes sense. James, I you know I, I mentioned uh, at the start of this here that there's not going to be any EPTs for a while, and if you're like the kind of person that uh, doesn't really like Shark Cage and you prefer tournament poker, I have come up with something now that I want to pitch to you. Okay, just very quickly, I, think... I want to address that though, Joe, because yeah. I appreciate there are some people who prefer an MTT to a single table tournament shootout format. The EPT is yeah. coming back. And certainly, Shark Cage will take us to the end of the year, but early 2016, the EPT 11 Grand Final in Monaco, those shows will all air. So, variety people. It's nice to mix things up. We don't want the same stuff all the time. And I do think that Shark Cage is a breath of fresh air. I love the banter. I love the novelties. To me, it's just like a home game played on a big stage with TV cameras. And hopefully, even if you're a bit like, mm, I'm not sure about this, I really hope you get into it and enjoy the format. And I think you're going to see more poker than maybe you saw in the first season. Because as we discussed earlier on, with the heat split over two shows, there's more opportunity for us to show big hands. Yeah, just try basically what James is saying is like try not to be such a joyless shit. Okay. Translation. Like, Thank you, Joe. Yeah, I'm like uh, I'm like the Barack Obama anger translator. James is basically saying, try to be such a fucking piece of shit, everyone. Um, <laughs> so I'm, it's weird that you chose to use the words breath of fresh air, though, James, to describe Shark Cage, because I do have a little something for people that are missing tournament poker. And let's say okay. you're a huge tournament poker fan and you've watched all the EPTs before. Um I have I, I've 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 figured out a way. You know how there's like commentary tracks, obviously, James, there's commentary tracks in what we do. Yes. And obviously, like when you watch like DVDs, there's like director commentary. Sometimes there's a secondary commentary track. Yes. So what I've what I'd like to pitch to you right now, James, is something that I have dubbed uh the EPT fart track. Okay. Already and I'm leaning towards saying no, but I will try and keep an open mind and hear you out. Okay, so I think it's better left unexplained. And just uh, let me play an example. Now, I worked all night on this last night. And I just think that, it, just for, without further ado, here is the breath of fresh air that James Hardigan was promising you. Well, Maurice's best result to date was victory in a WSOP circuit event in Florida in 2014. That was worth nearly $183,500. <laughs> He's a bit of a divisive character in the poker world. He's like Hawaiian pizza. 
Well, out in the field, the post-bubble bust-out bonanza is in full flow, and the last remaining former PCA champ is gone. No! No. As Elki departs, there is action on the outer tables. Daniel Negreanu facing a re-race from Tony Baggio. You don't three-bet Tony Baggio. Tony Baggio three-bets you. Uh, you know what make me crazy? <laughs> you make me nuts. What do you want? Ten Getting great pot odds. <laughs> Daniel calls. And he checks a 9-4-4 flop. I have no idea what to do against you every damn hand. Tony Baggio. Take my money. Yeah? Negrano way below average. Meanwhile, Ronaldo has just announced all in. How long does this go on for? <laughs> That's it. That's the end. Wait for the last part. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I have two things to say. <laughs> Wait. Wait. Okay. Now, okay. James, ideally, I mean, to answer your question, it would go on for the whole episode. Okay. Here's, 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 here's the two things I have to say. <laughs> Number one. Yeah. We're only 18 episodes into this podcast, <laughs> and already we've had to resort to fart gags. The second point Come is, on, the second so point is that I think at least two of those followed through. <laughs> I look, I, honestly, uh, I, I like was like in tears. <laughs> You were so easily amused. <laughs> this is something, it's just never not funny. Like, farting's never not funny. The thing is, imagine, James, you have to imagine it with the video. Like, imagine a guy, like, tanking and, like, going, doing one of those, like, making those tanking faces, just being like... <laughs> <laughs> I think I think this has legs. It's just something, just consider it. Don't say yes or no right away. I, I promise you just I will give it, it the consideration it deserves. There you go. So, James, you're about to go back to Barcelona again. Is this for this weird duel thing I've heard so much about? Possibly. Yeah, we're Why doing... are you saying possibly? What, what, what can you say or not say? Okay, I can't tell you too much about this. Yes, it's called The Duel. Yeah. Yes, it features Neymar Jr., one of our new sporting oh. ambassadors at PokerStars. It also involves a couple of members of Team Pro. I can tell you that Andrea Kari... And Fatima Maria de Melo are going to be there. It also involves a couple of celebrities who I'm really excited about, but I can't tell you their names. I can also oh, tell come you. On. Can you give me a name that they rhyme with or a movie they nope. might or may not have been in? Nope. Shit. I can tell you that it involves a series of heads up matches. It's going to be played actually at a casino just outside of Barcelona. It's happening later this week and it's going to make a series of webisodes, a series of shows which will be exclusively released online, which you'll be able to hopefully see towards the end of this year or the beginning of next year. Um, it's going to be something a bit different. And it's not something we've tried before, but I'm I'm quite excited about it, and I'm I'm not I'm really interested to see Neymar play because this guy loves poker, and what I find hilarious. And bear in mind, this is a guy who is idolised by millions. He hero worships Andre Akari. Now, no disrespect so to Andre, he's a <laughs> lovely <laughs> guy. Weird. But how weird is it that someone has like Andre Akari's face? on their big screen at their home. I'm watching this guy on the live stream playing poker. Yeah, it's um it's Andre Akari. It's 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 no big deal. He's like 
he, he's a lot of these tournaments. He, he plays poker. He's all the like time. a really nice guy. He gives an interview to everyone. He's like one of the easiest interviews ever. Like when you're a poker journalist and you're just starting out, you're like, oh, I'll talk to Andrea Kari because he just like <laughs> talks to everyone. Now, I, I actually I agree with you, James, because like so for me, right when they sign Neymar, I'm like, oh, here's another guy that's going to pretend to start liking poker the second the checks start rolling in, and. At first, that's what it seemed like to me. I'm not going to lie. Like, oh, yeah, of course he loves poker. He's got a fucking huge endorsement deal. But then, like, the more I talk to people, they're like, no, Neymar really does love love poker. And we had uh, Felipe Ramos on the live stream this week, and he's apparently Neymar's poker coach. And he corroborated that story that Neymar really does like playing poker. So this is pretty cool. Like, the fact that he actually likes it and isn't, like, posing with chips and cards, being like, hi, I really like poker now that a poker stars tells me I do, is actually pretty cool. And as long as we're talking about playing on poker stars, let's play on poker stars. <laughs> yes, let's. Um, so Ipsy Malta, as we mentioned last week, is taking place at the end of October when the new Bond movie's out! Oh, boy. If, now you've done it. If, unlike me, you are not a Bond obsessive and couldn't give two shits about missing the release of Spectre to play an EPT instead, you could try and satellite into the EPT Malta main event. Satellite James, this is a real thing, though. Like, Because, you know, I'm a, I, I thought I was a big James Bond fan until I met you, by the way. Uh, so, uh, you know, I consider myself... Up till a few years ago to be a James Bond, we have to, we do have to figure this out. Yeah, we, we do. Have to figure out we what need we're to, fi- do. we genuinely need to find a solution. And if the whole Pope lets us down, um, I don't know where to turn to. But, but by, by, something's got to happen. Something's got to give. Anyway, satellites taking place every day to the EPT Malta main event. And as usual, I'm going to highlight some of the biggies at the weekend. Don't forget on a Sunday, two thirty Eastern. The 530 euro qualifier, five packages available in that. And as ever, satellites into the satellite, you could qualify for as little as four euros and 40 cents. We had the record-breaking field in Barcelona, Joe. I don't think we're going to get close to 1,700 runners in Malta, but I wouldn't be surprised if we had more than 1,000. There is every prediction that this is going to be another biggie on the EPT. I've said this before and I'll say it again that if I do think Malta is a great choice of a place to go to, it's a really cool destination. It's a place you maybe would never go to otherwise in your life. Um, there is uh, the, 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 the dollar, I don't know, your value for your money is great there. If you like, for me, if I'm going to go play one of these things, right, I want to go to a, a place where I'm also going to have fun at nighttime because let's be honest, I'm going to go broke on day one. <laughs> so I want to be able to have fun elsewhere. And I will tell you this, guys. We went to the bars in Malta. Beers are like one euro fifty. Mixed drinks are like two euros. It's awesome there. It's a really good time. I think it's a great place to try to satellite into. It's a little vacation at the same time. Now, Joe, if Daniel Negreanu were here, he would be tutting right now at your lack of positive thinking. Dream, declare, deliver. You don't say, I'm going to go broke on day one. That's not how you approach a poker tournament. You have to believe now, I agree with that, but guess what, James? Here's the way I combat that. I don't play poker tournaments. <laughs> well, maybe you should start, and then maybe you'll get better, and maybe one day you'll be interviewed by Joe Stapleton when Joe Stapleton wins an EP. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many layers to that there, which makes sense, considering we started doing this show at 4 o'clock in the morning for me. I don't think I could ever win a poker tournament. I also don't think I'm going to win this week in Superfan versus Tapes because you've got some sort of mystery guess, and I'm a little worried about what's going to happen. Let's get to it. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. 
It's Superfan versus Stapes. And oh, Joe, have I got a surprise for you today. I'm really worried about this, actually. I just got a little pit in my stomach. I don't know what's happening. Well, today's Superfan Joe, whose identity is yet to be revealed, is someone who has been a fan of the European Poker Tour since the first season. He's probably seen every single TV show ever produced, some of them more than once, and I'm pretty sure that he's seen virtually every single second of live coverage from EPT Live, plus has listened to every podcast multiple, multiple times, including the bits that never made it to air. Because, Joe Stapleton, I am today's oh, no. super fan. Oh, no. What am I going to do? Well, I don't even understand what's going to what's oh, happening good here. For you. Now, obviously, Joe, bearing in mind <sighs> that I am the contestant on this week's edition of Superfan vs. Stapes, we need an alternative question master. So I thought I'd bring in the other commentator. Please welcome to EPC Not Live, Matt Broughton. Hey, Joe. Surprise. Wow. Oh, boy. We are, I'm in big, big oh, trouble now. What a treat for you, all three, the three amigos, all in one place. Now, Matt, what game have you prepared? Well, as you know, that you, well, actually, you're the one that changed the rules recently. The way this works is the super fan gets to pick <laughs> a subject. Uh, and take Joe on. So today we're going to be doing the Carry On films. No, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. Um, so today, Joe, and I think you're going to like this. I think this is a bit like. Thanks very much. I'm here all week. Uh, I have nothing else to do. Uh, is a bit like the Star Trek one. Hopefully, this has something not only for James but also for you because we're doing Superman films. Yes. Uh, Joe? <laughs> okay, so let me get this straight. Just uh, just a few weeks before James names himself Superfan, he changes the rules in favor of the Superfan, and then when he is able to wield such rules, he decides to choose a subject which he is probably, I don't know, top 1% in the world in. Joe, 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 I really want an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt, okay? The, the thing, Joe, let's go. Let's get, just get this, get this fucking over with. James is a bit weird. Don't forget, while you or I are busy watching any film, James is sitting there making a note of who the director of photography was and, you know, who the composer is. <laughs> you know, all the stuff that no normal people give a shit about. He's, like, all over it. So, you know, it might be that actually he's blindsided by too much information. So just just roll with it. No, it I, think, I think I'm going to be blindsided by your questions, Matt, because I come up with tough questions. You come up with brutally obscure questions. Well, uh, you know, the thing is also for me, doing a quiz like this has got to be fun for the listeners. So, you know, we can't just alienate them with random hockey or carry on questions. It's got to be something that maybe the guys at home are going, oh, actually, was that Superman or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So hopefully there's something for everyone. First and foremost, I've got Can to I tell you guys a little bit about my, my, my Superman movie resume real quick? Yeah, go for it. The only Superman movie I've seen from start to finish is Superman 4. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. I saw some of the new ones. I mean, I saw, like, Man of... Is that one? Man of Steel? Is that a Superman movie? Now, just to clarify, Matt, are you including Man of Steel here? Are we sticking to the uh, original franchise? We are sticking to the original franchise. I'm sorry to Shit! say. Shit! No, actually, that's not entirely true. There is, I think there's a, a Superman Returns. Uh, that's all right. I still consider that to be semi-part of the original franchise. It was part sequel, part reboot. Man of Steel, not a fan, not interested. Yeah, it kind of feels very separate. There are at least some connections. 
if you guys had been like, you know, real fans, most of these questions would have been about Shaquille O'Neal's steal, which is really the only one worth seeing of any of the canon. That that is questionable, but okay. Now, are there but any look, are there any want... rules we need to lay out at the start, Matt, or can we just get this started? Now, listen. Basically, you've got five questions each. I've got not only a tiebreaker but a second tiebreaker because wow. that's the kind of organised guy I am. Just in case of emergencies, just in case Joe manages to uh, you know go five for five against you. Um, but no, this is real simple. Is I've flipped a coin and Joe is actually going to go first. Okay. Um, so so uh, I would imagine a, a musical bed will ensue, and then let's get this party started. Let's do it. Superfan versus Stakes. Right, are you ready, boys and girls? I'm ready. Ready. Joe, the good news is your first question is to do with Superman 4, which I understand you've seen. Yes, I have. Let's do it. Okay, now this isn't the question, but out of interest, do you know the name of the actor that played Nuclear Man? I sure don't. Okay, that's fine. No, no, that wasn't the question. That wasn't the question. That That was just a precursor. Right, okay, so your answer is going to be two numbers. And what I need to know is that the actor that played Nuclear Man, his name is actually Mark Pillow. He appeared in how many films before Superman 4 and how many films after Superman 4? So your answer is going to be two numbers. I'm going to go with zero and zero. That is correct. Oh, I knew that one. Well, I bet you knew his name as well. I knew it was Mark Pillow as well. That's no real surprise to me. His name is Mark Pillow? His name is Mark Pillow. Okay, uh, so James, on to your first question. Ah, oh, I'm now fearing going 1-0 down during the first round. This would be great, wouldn't it, though? It'd be a great no. turnaround. See, Joe, think positive, man. Good things happen to hairy people. James, yes. as well as playing Clark and Superman, Christopher Reeves also supplied the voice of which other character in Superman the movie? He was the voice of the uh, air traffic control center. Damn you! Yes, that's absolutely correct. Yes, both in the uh, oh, in the air force good for you. and the helicopter. Yes. Thing. Okay. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, James. Why? Why? I don't know. Budget. Um, they, they'd already spent like <laughs> fi- they'd already spent like fifty-five million dollars. You don't want to have to spend like an extra couple of hundred bucks on on hiring a voice actor. I wonder for the if day. they were all like laughing laughing to themselves like ha ha Chris is doing the air traffic control like pushing themselves into the bushes all proud <laughs> get Sean Heston in just for two lines of dialogue seems a bit extreme okay Joe again this isn't your question I'm just setting things up do you know the name of the character played by Valerie Perrine no okay no that wasn't the question James you can tell her just a shot <laughs> Eve Tessmacher right okay. North Miss Tessmacher North do you, do you know who we're talking about here, Joe? Yes, I do. Okay, your question, Joe, is spell Miss Tessmacher. T-E-S-S-M-A-C-H-E-R. Incorrect. I'm going to guess, and it is a guess, T-E-S, hang on, T-E-S-C-H-M-A-C-H-E-R. That is correct. <laughs> You are this just... fucking sucks. <laughs> right. No, it's, it's fine. It's two one to, to James. Joe, you've it's got a point. We no, have I'm played. not mad at you, Matt. Okay, okay. Right, James. Yes. In Superman three, Robert Vaughn's Victor Ross Webster plays a video game in an attempt to shoot Superman down with missiles. 
The sound effects were supplied by which classic Atari 2600 game? Oh, I have absolutely no idea. Joe, this is your chance to steal, buddy. This is going to get you back on even terms. <sighs> Trust uh, Brown to it? sneak in a video yeah, game's no, no, question. Just, well, yeah, but you know what I mean? It's it's all legit. It's all relevant. Uh, there's one I'm thinking of that I can't remember the name of, and only one I can remember the name of, so I'm going to go with Combat. Oh, no, it was Pac-Man. Pac-Man? It was. There's a bit where at the end of the game when he's not shot Superman, he goes, well, 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 wink, which is the Pac-Man day. Um, yeah, you have to remember, Superman 3 was shit, so everything to do with it is just ridiculously bad. I'm sorry, right. did you say Superman 3 or Superman 1, 3, and 4? <laughs> Specifically 3 and, and 4. And Returns. Right, look, this is a whole different podcast. I'm moving on. Joe, here is your third question. In Superman the movie, Superman is directly responsible for getting a small child slapped. How? Because <laughs> uh, the kid sees him flying and says, holy shit. No, do you want to have another go? Because you kind of, you mentioned one of the correct elements. Um... The kid sees him flying. Uh-huh, keep going. And he um, follows the eyeline of Superman flying right into a woman's boobs. Okay, I'm afraid that's going to be an incorrect answer, Joe. He, he, he rescues the little girl's cat, and she goes running in and goes, Mommy, Mommy, this man flew out of the sky and rescued the cat. And he goes, Stop telling lies. Slap. That is correct, but I'm only going to give you an extra bonus point if you can name... The cat. Frisky. Yeah, correct. Damn you, Dan. I didn't even um, have to wait for Matt to say the answer was correct. I just hit the correct <laughs> sound effect. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, it's 3-1, but that that's still entirely uh, recoverable. Um, okay, James. Well, it's James' turn now, too, though, right? It is, it is yeah. James's turn as well now. Okay, so James, the actress... Uh, this is to do with Superman Returns. Oh. The actress who played the dying millionaire Gertrude Vanderwerth at the start of Superman Returns, she's the one that leaves her fortune to Lex Luthor. Yes. She has two other connections to the world of Superman. What are they? She was the original Lois Lane um, in, like, the 1950s TV series, and she also played the woman on the train in Superman the movie, who's the mother of the young Lois Lane. Oh my god, correct. Oh, Joe. Oh, good for you! Sorry. Well, no, this is... I, I, I'm, I, was trying to, I was trying to kind of make these a bit harder for James, but he really is just such a nerd, we don't stand a chance, do we? Okay! Are you gonna rub it in my face? <laughs> Joe, here is your uh, fourth question. So, Superman 2 was ribbed for showcasing obscure superpowers, including a plastic sheet insignia wrap thing, a kiss that makes Lois forget who Superman is, a self-duplication power, and a finger-pointing levitation ability. However, one of these was a legit power that had featured in the original comics. Which one was it? Uh, the cloning himself thing. Is that your final answer? Yes. Incorrect. I believe. I believe oh. it's the amnesia kiss. Oh, he's absolutely right again. Oh, man alive. Yes, uh, it was very rarely used and it was ultimately removed from his official list of powers, but in the early comics he could do the whole kissing forget thing. Right, well, this is a whitewash, but let's go I through it. I think most because... girls use that power on themselves when I kiss them. 
Yeah, that's not kissing. I was gonna say, I'm, I'm not surprised they got rid of it. If you think <laughs> about it, that's like a Kryptonian version of Rehypnol. It is. It's like it's like the whole glamouring thing in, in True Blood, where the, the vampires can just do whatever they want as long as the girl looks them in the eyes. Joe has dreams about that kind of ability. Uh, it's 5-1 to me, I believe. Oh, keeping score as well, are we, James? Unbelievable. Old habits right. die hard. Okay, James, so which scene featuring the Kryptonian villainous Ursa was cut from the Japanese release of Superman 2 due to, quote, their sensitivity of a woman being so dominant? Oh, I don't know this one. And this is a movie which as previously discussed on EPT Not Live, I know back to front. Well, well that, do you know what I hesitate? You're just talking a lot of bullshit isn't going to get you the right answer. <laughs> I did consider whether it was fair to put any Superman 2 questions in because of your knowledge, but I'm glad to have stumped you. So, so a woman, are you going to pass a woman, on this one, No, no, I'm not going to pass. I'm going to take a guess. So they, it was cut on the ground that they didn't want to see a woman being dominant. Correct. Um, the scene where she rips off the astronaut's badge and kills him. I'm going to say incorrect because you've already scored so many points. Joe, do you want to steal this? <laughs> um, can I please hear the question again? Yes. So a scene featuring Ursa, you know, you know who I'm talking about here, yeah? The female sure Kryptonian villain. Okay, got it. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Right. She was cut. There was a scene with her in it that was cut from the Japanese release of Superman 2 due to, quote, their sensitivity of a woman being so dominant. James was very close, but it wasn't what I was looking for. Ah, oh, damn, I think I know what the answer is. Um, she grabs a guy by his uh, shirt collar and lifts him up. Incorrect. I don't need the point. Is it when she well, then kicks the astronaut afterwards? It's because she kicks him in the nuts across the moon. Yeah. So, I'm afraid ah. that's... Okay, so, um, right, okay. Where, where are we at? So this is now Joe's final official question to, to, to get him up from one to two. You could you could double your score. I have, right an, here, I have an official final official question for you guys. <laughs> right, How I did just... we get here? Okay. <laughs> because we talked about doing this. We talked about that we and James, we, me and Matt, we're going to have the chance to both watch James's supercut and then we're going to do a quiz about it. And all of a sudden I get blindsided with this at five o'clock in the morning. Don't worry, there'll be plenty of opportunity to uh, do that exact quiz on a future edition of the show. Yeah, Fine. calm down. Yeah, calm down, Joe. You can go back to bed soon. We're all good. We've got one more question to, to watch you ruin. So, Joe, which actor appears... I'm really happy for you. I'm let you finish. Which actor appears in Superman 1, 2, 3, and 4 and in the Supergirl movie? Christopher Reeves. Have you seen the Supergirl movie? When I was a small child. Do you remember Christopher Reeves being in it? By the way, people, no, can we please... I anyone being in it. Can we please get it right? <laughs> it's not Christopher Reeves. It's Christopher Reeve. Whatever. I was um, talking about Christopher Reeves' beautiful face being <laughs> in the movie. Uh, basically, hit the button that makes the incorrect sound, please. James, the answer I know is you know this Mark answer. McClure. Yes, it was. The only character across all four Superman films and Supergirl was Jimmy Olsen, Mark McClure. Right, okay. So, I mean, this could be a world record-breaking score. <laughs> James, your final official question. Yes. Superman cooks 
just once in all the Superman films, which dish is perfected using his heat vision? Souffle. Incorrect. Eh? Oh, 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 all right. You know what? That was worth it. I don't even care. Wait, Joe, wait. Joe, no, shut up. Joe, would you like to I call this? shenanigans. No, I'm not having shenanigans. I've checked this. I've listened to it. I've watched it over and over because I knew that you would call shenanigans and I need to be absolute bulletproof. Joe, it's I not think, one. James, you'll find that the dessert is actually a baked Alaska. Incorrect. Wait, Man. what? But I was already gonna. I was already applauding myself. Yeah, but you're incorrect. He uses his heat vision to finish off a duck that Lois is really badly cooking in the oven. Which movie's this in? Wow, a Superman duck. Four. Hang on, hang on. What about the souffle scene from Superman Two? What souffle scene? The scene in the Fortress of Solitude where you think they're about to have sex because he's like, oh, you know, I've um. I, I, I've never done this before, and she goes, you have to be really gentle, you have to be really careful. And then we see him cook a souffle with his heat vision, and, lo and then there's the punchline. You can't be too careful, you can never overcook a souffle. It exists in the in extended which? version, they're called the Restored International Cut of Superman 2. Oh, I, Christ is, almighty. No, do you know what, I made it quite clear at the very beginning, and you can rewind and listen to it. Oh no, actually, maybe I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, is, I'm dealing, don't forget, I said this is also for the audience, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm not going to accept that, James, because I'm, I know what you're saying, but I think the, the world at large won't have ever seen that scene, and I think you would have to agree. I'm going to back down on this one, um, but yes, I will, I'll have to agree with you. I, I, and you know, I do understand what you're saying, but this is really me talking about the general release films that probably the vast majority of the population yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. will see. All right, stick it up your ass. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that How brings us... How come Superman will save a cat, but will roast a duck? That seems fucked up. Well, I Lois had already kind of, like, done most of the damage. He was just kind of finishing off. Kind of like delivering the coup de grace. All right. In fact, even if, to be honest, Joe, even if James, James had given me duck, I was looking for duck in mushroom sauce with champagne. So he was never going to get a seventh <laughs> point out of this. I'll be really honest with you. <laughs> Thanks, um, Matt. I appreciate it. Well, it doesn't really need to be recapped, but just for the sake of it, I can confirm that it is 6-1 to Superfan James, who wins not only a blank uh, checkbook and pen, but also uh, Everyone Loves a Chop Pot T-shirt. Yes! I will take one out of my drawer at work and wear it with pride. Oh, man, and that started so well. J just to remind you, Joe, there was a point... It's a bit like Leicester being top of the Premier League. Is you were one nil at one point, <laughs> but that was quite early on in the game. I one, there was one point I had answered one hundred percent of the questions correctly. Correctly, and you were actually dominating James in quite a serious fashion. Matt, thank you very much for but being. But they cut it from the Japanese version of the show because they didn't want to see, show me being dominating. <laughs> they didn't want to see Joe getting kicked in the nuts by James, <laughs> both metaphorically <laughs> and one day literally. Uh, Matt. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much for your sterling work hosting this week's edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. An absolute pleasure, guys, and I will see you in Malta.
right. Well, uh, thanks very much, Matt Brown. That was uh, that was awesome. He's a really good sport. We should have him on the show more often, especially because he doesn't charge us anything. Uh, that's all the time we've got for this week's show, guys. Uh, next week, we're going to have the thrilling conclusion to Shark Cage Heat 1, which means we are going to have our guest, Georgie Danzer. Hold me closer. Georgie Danzer is going to be on the show. Maybe we can get an event recap from whatever James is doing in Barcelona, this if little, this anything little dual thing. interesting happens, if there are any exciting anecdotes and I'm allowed to talk about them, I will talk about them. Excellent. Very good. I look forward to that, which means James is going to talk about what movies he's watched in his hotel room. Uh, guys, send me your fart tracks. If you want to take a clip from the EPT, make your own fart track. I will give a prize for the best one. I'm not saying what prize, and I'm not saying why. Well, let's see what comes in first, then I'll decide accordingly. You guys know Uncle Daddy is very generous. W. Coop. Will be over. Hooray. And as I pr I've been promising for weeks now, guys, uh, I did some stand-up comedy in Toronto. And one of the places I did it was in a weed lounge, a place where weed's been decriminalized in, in Canada. Uh, I did not smoke myself that night, obviously. But uh, plenty of people were in this place. And we did. Uh, I did some comedy in a very interesting place. James will tell you. Uh, I'm going to take you out with a little clip from that, guys. So uh, for now, I'm Joe Stapleton. He's James Hardigan. Smell you later. Yo, guys, this place is fucking wild. I've never seen anything like this. This is amazing. You guys are high as fuck. There are people in the back who think they're watching comics on television. They're just looking at the monitors. They don't know there's even a guy up here. Guys, I have to tell you, I am, I am American. Maybe you've heard of it. Kind, kind of a small country, tends to keep to itself. It's a country where 75% of the population can't identify China on a map. The other 25% can't identify a map. My favorite part about Canada is uh, how hard it is to get shot here. And if you do, it's free to have the bullet taken out. <laughs> Guys, I'm not going to lie. I am, uh, I'm a little hungover. I'm very tired. I was up all night last night not having sex with a girl from Tinder. Tinder is uh, Tinder's done to dating what the microwave has done to cuisine. It's faster and it's more convenient, but it's fucking shit and you're probably going to die of the radiation. I spent all night last night trying to wait out a girl from Tinder who finally left at like noon. Nothing happened. So my advice is, if you want to use Tinder to get laid, just stick to swiping the old-fashioned way, up and down. Okay? That's much better. 